been another week of ups and downs in the world of beer. Bars, restaurants, and tap rooms remain near entirely disrupted. They're mostly closed to the public or trying to cobble together to-go or delivery options. And while Washington debates how to handle the current crisis and what relief to offer small business owners, laid-off employees continue to struggle. While thousands of small breweries are struggling to stay afloat, a small number of larger brewers are actually poised to maintain their operations or even make gains. The craft beer industry's tent has always been a bit ludicrous in its size, containing both tiny three-barrel nanobreweries and all the way up to relative behemoths like Boston Beer, Sierra Nevada, Yingling, and New Belgium. But it is these latter breweries, ones with deep and wide distributor roots and strong infrastructures, that may be built to weather the storm. My partner John Hall recently spoke with one such brewer, Larry Bell, founder and owner of Bellsbury in Michigan. Here's their conversation. I'm curious from a brewery of your size where you have a multi-state sales fleet, but a lot of their accounts are closed right now. What do you do with that staff during this time? Well, right now they are, I mean, there is, especially the closer to the home you get, the staff is busy um, because the off-premise trade is freaking rocking this week, like record numbers. So, uh, and some of them are out helping to merchandise uh, with the wholesalers. Um, so, you know, they're they're managing those sales staff are managing their wholesalers merchandising um you know they're not doing events but so they're busy doing that and then um we've we have all kinds of training manuals online so uh people are on their computers are doing additional training uh modules uh sales staff is doing draft quality training that that was there um so you know, there's some there's some things for them to do if they're not out doing events in in the on premise as well. When you say that it's rocking on the off premise uh, right now, can you point to specifics? Have you seen our number one our number one wholesaler had a day this week? They ran out of uh, one of our competitors, our our competitors' top seller. Had they not, they would have had their single largest delivery date in the history of their company. Wow. Is this in Michigan? Uh-huh. Wow. Over in the Detroit area. Wow. Um, so, um, you know, like Meyer stores have put out a mandate for their top 20 SKUs, I think, of which we have five. You know, I was just talking with Jim McGreevy about this. Um, He's the so, uh, president of the MBWA. Of the BI. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. The yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, you know, Beer uh, Institute. So it's been yeah, a long so couple of weeks. I get it. Um, I definitely think that there are retailers that are making choices as to what they want to carry. Um, you know, I've seen where um, resets have been at least postponed, if not canceled right now which is kind of an interesting thing. So, you know, that reset that maybe the seltzer companies had planned on getting more space, that's not going to happen in a timely fashion. Um, I'm going to guess that consumers right now 
are what it looks like is they're going for more tried and true brands. You know, yeah. You may, you may be cleaning out your cellar of for the fun things, but you know you're not going to buy something to sell her right now you're you're taking care of your everyday needs yeah. so i like that you're stalking me on facebook so thank you but also it's uh yeah i'm definitely doing the same thing as well i'm i'm bringing familiar beers into into the house are, are you seeing a spike in any particular brands in your own house uh from 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 bells that are doing better than they would at this time of year <laughs> Um, well, it's just, like I say, uh, you know, we're busy with our sort of the, the core brands, uh, right now on the package side of thing. What we're a little worried about is, um, we may not be able to f- fulfill all the can orders. Everybody's looking for cans. So when you're authorized into a chain with cans, they're still looking for product. We're trying to figure out, Hey, if we can't get you cans, will you take bottles? You know, we got plenty of bottle capacity, um, but you know, it, it's a little early yet to see um, see data from the field. Yeah. But anecdotally, I hear from people. You know, yeah, I was in line. Four people in front of me all had twelve packs of Two Hearted. So, <laughs> um, I, you know, it is what it is. I think I. I just think consumers are, are probably going to be in less of a mood for experimenting right now than, you know, they're probably going to go with brands, including the big guys, of uh, things they can, they know and can count on. It's comfort food. Yeah. You know, I got 10 bucks to spend this week on beer. Do I want to experiment with something new? I think we're probably going to see a lot less of that. And, and, you know, it's, is it going to hurt some people? Yes, unfortunately, um, it is. Um, you know, John, I think this is going to be, this will be some sort of watershed moment for the, for the craft beer. Can I still call it a movement? I don't know. I'm, I'm an old guy. It's still a movement to me. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, you know, I was walking the dog uh, yesterday, and I walked by a place right two blocks from my house here. You know, said opening soon tap room and featuring the beers of two local breweries here in Chicago. Yeah. Well, you know that tap room model, I think, is really gonna um, take a beating here. I agree with you on that. I- I'm curious. Because we're already starting to see that happen. We're starting to see a lot of the tap rooms have to lay off their staff because they've been living week to week or two week to two week period. Um, and you know, if you've already been shuttered for ten days, or you know, you're going to be shuttered for the next three weeks, like obviously that's going to uh, impact your business. When when would this start to affect a brewery of your size? Do you think? Well, like time obviously, I mean, our two bars are are shut down, so um, and. You know, it's going to affect us because we were getting ready for Oberon launch. So we got a ton of beer scheduled for draft packaging. Either was in packages draft or is in tanks scheduled for draft. Yeah. So, you know, we haven't had to write it off yet. Um, But, 
we're going to have to. There will be old beer. Bars and restaurants are not going to open a week from Monday. Right. Again. And be putting um, in bulk orders or, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we're all going to be shut down for a while. So. Um, With Uberon, though, and I know that that's always a big day, a big release day for you guys. It's Is it your most popular seasonal? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, but you put out, out an order that um, as soon as your wholesalers are getting it, they can just put it out into the market, right? Yeah, it's out in the market. I mean, our wholesaler in Grand Rapids delivered 20,000 cases uh, in one day last week. So, and people are really appreciative. So far, I mean, they're grateful. It's like, great, we got Oberon. Um, I think everybody's, you know, you know, when they finally allow us out of our houses, we're all going to look at each other and go, so you put on 10 pounds too. Huh? <laughs> you know, the wife was baking and I was drinking beer. And I'm trying yeah. to do the workouts twice a day now. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not working out, but I'm trying. <laughs> so I don't know why everybody it, thinks that's funny when I say that. It's, I guess everybody knows me, but yeah. Listen, you know, yeah, <laughs> we were out, I'm out walking the dog and, Trying to, I got my, I got, I call him Hal, my uh, Apple Watch. Okay. Larry, you can still complete your circles if you go for a 15 minute brisk walk. It's like, Hal, it's 10 30 and it's raining. I ain't going nowhere, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But so putting Oberon out early, though, was, I mean, I, I guess it just makes business sense, but um, was there any other thought behind it as well? Just, you know, I knew early on that we weren't going to be able to have the parties before even all that was announced. Um, uh, cause I texted with the governor cause the governor had, was going to come for Oberon day. And I texted her and said, I'm not going to be able to do this. She said, Nope. <laughs> and, um, so kind of saw the writing on the wall where, you know, knowing that large groups were not going to be allowed to assemble. Um, so we might as well, might as well get it to everybody as much fun as that is. And as much fun as everybody has with O'Brien opening day, um, it just made sense to, okay, let's get this out there for people. Everybody's got all the, the wholesalers have inventory. Let's start selling this and people can party in place at their home with it. And I know you're a huge Cubs fan, uh, maybe the ultimate Cubs fan. How you doing with the delay of the season? Well, I got to see uh, I got to see him beat San Francisco sixteen to three last week on Tuesday, and then last Thursday we were putting on our Cubby stuff when they canceled the game on account of weather. It's like weather. The rain went through this morning. It's fine. Well, then thirty minutes later the season was canceled. Yeah. So. Um, you know, the charity ball has been, you know, I, I don't know if and when that'll happen. You know, that's, that's small potatoes. You know, the number one thing is for me, you know, is just the health of, uh, you know, my family, the employees, families taking care of everybody. It, it's, we're going to be, we're going to be in this thing for a long time. Yeah. Have you started to adjust what the rest of your release calendar looks like for the rest of the year? 
Well, you know, a lot of uh, experimental stuff is, um, you know, that's in draft. Yeah, I mean, put the brakes on stuff real hard there. Um, we may, you know, we may be, um, you know, not doing some specialty releases and maybe looking to listen, talking to the can manufacturer instead of you making cans, those cans, if, if you've got just the aluminum, can you just make it for, let's just make it for two harder or Oberon. Um, cause those final decisions have not been made, Yeah, but, um, you know, it may not be the time for a lot of specialty releases. In the Beer Edge newsletter this week, I wrote about the new world of craft beer and what it means for its spirit of community. Craft beer is defined by change, but the industry has never seen anything like this. We're still in the early days of dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Many people around the country remain defiant even in the face of public and governmental pleas to stay indoors and practice social distancing, a phrase that was hardly in our collective lexicon only a few weeks ago. Millions of others are taking the threat seriously, retreating from society and maintaining vigil in their homes. We don't know how long this will last or what the final outcomes will be. We can only tell you what we're seeing and offer some possible future scenarios. In the past two weeks, John Hall and I have spoken with dozens of people across the beer industry, getting updates on how things are playing out around the country. While there is much grim news to report, from brewery tap rooms to bars and restaurants closing their doors and hundreds of thousands of related workers losing their livelihoods, there's also some positivity out there. The biggest note of optimism comes resoundingly in the form of craft beer's sense of community. A decade or two ago, the phrase craft beer community was widely bandied about. Brewers joked that the industry was 99% asshole-free. There were only a few thousand breweries spread widely around the country, and they rarely referred to one another as the competition. Even small craft brewers would have told you the real enemy was big beer. The local brewery taproom changed that community narrative. Thousands of new breweries sprung up around the country, each bearing a new model, serving their own beer in their own house. These local taproom-focused breweries had little connection to the outside beer world. They eschewed distributors, beer bars, and liquor stores. They sustained themselves on the margins they saved by not selling their beer outside of their four walls. And things were good. While overall beer industry growth slowed to a trickle, thousands of new breweries opened and thousands more planned to do the same. Then COVID-19 dropped like a bomb on their business model. With tap rooms closed, thousands of breweries around the country no longer have a source of income. Most don't have their own canning or bottling equipment. They don't have relationships with distributors or bars, restaurants, or off-premise stores. They never saw the need to diversify their operations because nothing could ever shut off their moneymaker, their customer at their own bar. These will be dark days for many breweries around the country. Without the option of being open to the public, many have scrambled to offer limited can sales with shops manned by a single employee. This model, while offering some sales for owners, isn't enough to sustain much of a staff, let alone justify continuing to brew once their tank existing tanks run dry. Many will likely close up shop and hope for insurance or governmental assistance when the crisis subsides. Ironically, the COVID-19 virus has managed to bring brewers back together. In these tough times, almost every brewery is in the same boat. Brewers and other craft beer industry players are banding together, often under the leadership of state guilds, to lobby their representatives for assistance. They're talking with one another to share ideas and survival strategies. In this, COVID-19 has managed to do what little else could, 
bring together disparate and competitive players under one shared umbrella. For many larger craft breweries, the ones that long heralded that community spirit of craft, recent events have completely upended their operations in an oddly positive way. These breweries, which produce between 50,000 and a million or more barrels of beer a year, were once cast aside and left for dead in the local taproom movement rush. They were large organizations with massive off-premise packaging capabilities, even relying on antiquated things like bottling lines, all while beholden to decades-old flagship beers, things that seemed ill-fitted for the new new. Now these breweries are among the only ones well-positioned to meet the surging demand for off-premise beers. These breweries have long-standing and well-developed relationships with distributors across the country. They operate substantial and largely automated bottling and canning operations, and packaging lines that do not require the many hands on deck model that smaller craft operations employ today. They can manage their production, scale back to a small selection of well-known beers, and get those beers to specific target markets to meet rising consumer demand. As one brewer told us this week, while others have had to close, they've been overwhelmed by demand lately and are out there kicking ass right now. What was once unthinkable now appears likely to be true for the foreseeable future. Flagship beers are back, and local is dead, or at least dying. As the outlook for the COVID-19 virus appears to rest in months, not weeks, the face of craft beer is going to change for now. The vibrancy accompanying the small brewery movement has receded, while major manufacturing breweries appear best equipped to adapt to the new reality. When we get past this pandemic, the long-term effects of all this are unknowable. The only truth is that the craft beer community will look different yet again. With the closure of bars and restaurants, we've all been doing a lot more drinking at home these days. And while I stocked up on some essentials in anticipation of being stuck in the house for a while, I found myself digging through my cellar to actually drink those beers that I've kept for special occasions that don't come often enough. I've been drinking 10 and 15-year-old barley wines and imperial stouts, each one their own adventure. And while some of these are clearly past their prime, others offer enjoyable respite from the seriousness of global events. We're going to talk about some of these beers in future episodes. We're going to try to lighten it up from time to time. But until then, if you've recently cracked something special, be sure to let us know. Tweet us at The Beer Edge, and we may include you in an upcoming episode. Thank you for listening to The Beer Edge Podcast. The podcast is produced by Beer Edge and co-hosted by myself and John Hall. If you have any questions or criticisms, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at BeerScribe or via email at andy at beeredge.com. We appreciate any reviews you can give on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Beer Edge Podcast. Until then, stay safe and healthy.